0: Take your Bibles and find Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're getting to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to actually start in chapter 10. And uh, you go back to the end of your New Testament, start turning left, you'll run into him with the book of Hebrews. And we are starting a new series today in Hebrews 11. Going to be here for, I don't know, eight or ten weeks, probably, just kind of see how we do. And today I want to talk to you about a confident faith. Anybody in the room ever wish you had more faith? Ever wish you had greater faith? Anybody in the room ever feel like you have little faith? You know, the Bible talks about that. To some, he said, oh, you of little faith. And sometimes I think that's me. He's, he's talking to me about little faith. And to others, he'll say, oh, you have great faith. And I go, I, w- I wish that was me. I've been around people that have great faith, that are able to trust God no matter what life and circumstance feels like. And sometimes when life is hard, when relationships are broken, when everything seems to have fallen apart around us, can we just be honest with each other in the room today that sometimes our faith starts to wane a little bit, doesn't it? sometimes we start to wonder, is he really there? And does he really care? And we're afraid in our church world to say that out loud. Can you imagine if some of you would just actually stand up and go, you know what, today I'm not so sure that God really is with me and will never leave me and will never forsake me. In your your head... You want to go, I believe that with all of my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, but in my heart, I'm broken. Am I I talking right today? Is anybody in the room identifying with this today? So how do we have confident faith? One, two words there, how how do we have any confidence at all? And what is faith? And you've got to get both of these right. Hopefully, we can help a little bit starting today and as then we move our way through this pretty famous chapter. But if you're going to understand Hebrews chapter 11, you've got to backtrack just a little bit. You've got to understand some of what's been happening through the first 10 chapters of Hebrews. Everything that our writer of Hebrews is reminding us of is about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's the easy summation of 10 chapters. Now, you still need to go read it for yourself, but that's the, that's the real Reader's Digest version. This is about the person and the work of Christ. So how do we base our faith on that? If you'll go back to Hebrews 10, I want you to start in verse 16. Now let's read down through old oh, verse 23. It says, this is the covenant, circle or underline the word covenant, that I, pay attention to that, that God will make with them after those days, the Lord says. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Can someone just write amen by verse 17? Amen. Did you hear what he just said there? I am making a promise and a covenant covenant. To my people that 's you and I, I am making this promise that my laws, my commands will be on their hearts and on their minds. Now, why is that important? Because sometimes in the journey of faith we 've got to make sure that our heart and our minds are in alignment. Sometimes we can just got to make sure they line up right. Well, how do you keep your heart and your mind in alignment? You circle verse seventeen and you remember it every day of your life. That God says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. And he goes on in verse 18 to say, now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Why in the world is there no longer an offering for sin? Because on a cross, Jesus declared, it is what? Finished. Payment is made. And no more do sacrifices have to be made. This is such good stuff. I love this stuff. Well, pick it up in verse 19, the word therefore. Based on everything we've just read in verses 16 through 18, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have this boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. Underline that, through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and a living way, circle new and living way. Through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, ah, 22 and 23, getting ready to get sweet. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. How you doing with that this morning? Are you drawing near? Scripture says what? If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Are you drawing near? And how are you going to come near? You've got to come near with a heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Look at verse 23. Let us hold to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. Underline the last phrase of that. He who promised is faithful. Do you believe the word of God this morning? Do you believe that phrase this morning? That God, who promised life everlasting, who promised forgiveness, who promised patience, who promised presence, said, my promises are true and trustworthy and they cannot be broken. That's good preaching this morning. Not because I've said anything, because this is what the word of God says. Now listen, if you've got the promises of the word of God and you've got the presence of God, then why in the world would we ever draw back in faith? Why in the world would we ever start to shrink in our confidence of who God is and what he has said? So go back to verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold to the confession of our hope so that we will not waver because the one who promised is faithful. I was reading in in preparation for today's message. And John MacArthur makes a statement to which I agree with. He says, faith is not a power which you possess to create your own future. Faith is a God-given ability to trust the future that God has promised you. Isn't that good? You don't have to have faith today to create your own future. Matter of fact, why would I want to create my own future? Why would I want to design that? If it's okay with you all today, let's just leave the future to the one who knows all things, who has a plan for us, who has prepared a way for us, who has provided blessing for us and fulfilling and satisfying and God-glorifying eternal presence for us. Let's just leave the future to him. I don't need to plan my future today. I want to put all of my faith and all of my hope and all of my confidence in the future that God has promised. And why would we do that? Because God can't break his promises. Just so you know, in good Bible churches, that's a nice place to say amen. Just got to prime the pump a little bit, right? God can't break his promises. When you chase further down in the chapter 10, you get to verses 37 through 39. It says, for yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Is that a good word for you this morning? You know what that means, don't you? You can write beside that verse. Jesus is coming back soon. Soon. You go, well, when will he come back? I'll tell you what my dad used to say. I don't know when, but I know I'm 24 hours closer to it today than I was this time yesterday. He says the, the, the coming one is... He will show up and he will not delay, delay, verse 38. But my righteous one will live by faith. That's you and I. And if he draws back, I'll have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Can you say verse 39 is you? I am not going to be one that draws back and misses out on the promises and the presence of the almighty. I'm going to be the one that holds fast to faith, holds fast to the promises and enjoys all that God has promised to give me. And then that chases us right into chapter 11 where he says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. It is the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. And by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that were not visible. And we can stop right there today. If you're looking for a working definition of faith, probably Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us as good a description as we can get. We could add other things to that as we lace other passages of scripture together. But in summation, you you get this. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, but it's the proof of what we haven't seen yet. Uh, If you're looking for just a simple definition, definition, faith is trusting in what God has said. How many can get that today? Faith is trusting in what God has said. What has God said? Everything in this book. Therefore, faith is putting your trust in what God has said in his infallible and inerrant word of God. Everything we have is right here. Everything you and I need to know about God is right here. Everything you and I will ever understand about God is right here. Do you believe that this morning? You're getting there, Bible church. We'll get amens out of you yet, okay? I don't know about you all. I grew up in uh, in an independent Baptist church. You know what kind of Bible we read in an independent Baptist church? King James Version. My dad reads the King James Version every day of his life. And I memorized Hebrews 11.1 in the King James. Anybody else in the room? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the way I read that. That's the way I memorized it. So when I opened up my CSB today and I'm reading now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, my mind immediately traces back to what I memorized as a child. For years I've been preaching out of the ESV, and some of you may be carrying that with you this morning. The ESV will tell you that there is an assurance and a conviction. The CSB, as we just talked about, it talks about a reality and a proof. The King James talks about a substance and an evidence. What does all of this mean? all those are the same words that tells us that there is a certain kind of posture, a certain kind of belief that we have in this present world about things that are getting ready to happen. You with me? If you and I are going to be faith-filled people today, we're going to have a posture. We're going to have a footing, a foundation about what we believe in this world today in accordance with what's getting ready to happen. Now, here's the good news. If you and I want to be people of faith today, it's not a leap into the dark. I'm so glad of that. It's not a blind faith. It's not a faith just jumping off the cliff and hoping everything will be all right. It's not, well, I just have faith that, you know, one day God will work it all out. Have you ever said that? Have you ever heard people say that? You know, I'm I'm just having faith. And they talk like they're having no faith. Do you have any confidence in your faith? And here's the beauty of it. I don't have to have any confidence in my faith. I have to have confidence in the one who has promised things to me. It's not my faith. It's his promises that creates this biblical foundation for you and I. So here's a truth this morning. Three characteristics. Pretty simple. If you and I want to have effective faith, it's got to be aimed at the right object. It's got to be aimed at the right object. We can be confident today in our standing with God and in his promise for eternal life. Does anyone have that promise today? Are you sure? You remember the old Fort Lauderdale question? If you died today, where would you go? You ever asked me, anybody ever asked you that question? If you died today, where would you go? And I ask people that question on a regular basis. And the common answer I get is, well, I hope heaven. And again, not to just quote my dad, but one of the greatest influences of my life, you and I don't need a hope so salvation today. We need a no so salvation. We need a confident That the one who has said, I am faithful and true is faithful and true. The one that has said, if you will trust me, I will save you. The one that said, I will forgive you. I will redeem you. The one who is sitting at the right hand of God today, making intercession for you and I. That's who we trust in today. And the one that said, one day, look up because I'm getting ready to part the eastern sky. And I'm going to come get you. And then we're coming back. Oh, I can't wait. We're riding horses, gang. We're coming back on horses. And we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years on this earth. And then he's going to destroy it all. And a new heaven and a new earth comes down and we slip off into eternity. Tell me that's not good. Tell me that's not good. Why do you need anything other than that? That the one who promised is faithful is going to do it. How many of you believe today? Talk to me today. Raise your hand with me today. How many of you believe today that God has saved you from your sin? Anybody? You have confidence today that he has saved you. Then you also get to have confidence that every promise he has made to you in this book is true. If you can trust him with your salvation, you can trust him with your future. And that gives confidence to our hope. But our hope is effective because it's got the right focus. It's not on what I can do here. It's not what God may provide here. It's not on my comfort here. It's based on all of his promises. And in scripture, it says all of his promises are yes. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Do I have to see streets of gold to know they're here? Know they're going to be there? Do I have to see? I don't because scripture promises me they're going to be there. Do I have to see my name written down in glory? Remember that old hymn, don't you? There's a new name written down in glory. Do I have to see it in ink? No, I don't. Because he's always promised that's happened to me. Do I have to see his footprints beside me every day? I don't. Because he's already promised he won't leave and he won't forsake Well, what happens when my heart is broken and my tears are real and my world is crashing down and my dreams are crashed, my relationships are destroyed and I'm going, Lord, where in the world are you? Am I no longer being faithful at that point? Let me encourage you this morning. You can be faithful by asking the Lord, Lord, do you hear your servant? Lord, do you know where I'm at? Go to the Psalms. The Psalms are full of David going, hey, where are you, by the way? Have you read him that way? David's tapping on the throne going, are you aware I'm here? And there's a whole bunch of people trying to hurt me and destroy me. And yet he's always able to come back, isn't he? And refocus his worship. You get over to Psalm 45 and he goes, or Psalm 42, and he goes, why are you so downcast on my soul? He says, then put your hope in God. Put your faith in God. Can I just tell you this, that a biblical faith today will look outside of yourself, outside of your circumstance, and a biblical faith will be oriented to the right object. And the Bible tells us that one day Jesus is going to return. The Bible tells us that one day sin and death will be no more. The Bible tells us that one day there will be no more war, both in the physical and the spiritual. Do you realize the Bible says that one day every eye will see that Christ is present, that He's ruling and reigning and that he's king of kings, and he's Lord of Lords? And the Bible tells us that even though we don't see it by sight right now, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and I as our advocate. And He says, "My beloved, cry out. I got you. I got you. Safe and secure." confident and reliable number two faith if we're going to make it right an authentic faith is commended by God faith is the reality of what is hoped for the proof of what's not seen verse one but look what verse two says for by this by what what's the this by faith By faith, our ancestors were approved. Who's the ancestors? Well, this is that the people of God have always lived by faith. Well, what about the Old Testament guys? Absolutely. Matter of fact, that's who we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. We're going to take a look at a lot of these Old Testament saints, Abel and Enoch and Moses and Abraham and Noah and a whole long list of people. And every one of them in the Old Testament, listen to me, every one of them, Scripture says right here, they were commended by God or approved by God by their faith. Matter of fact, as you study this chapter, and I would encourage you to start reading ahead, you're going to see each time one of these guys is introduced, one of these girls is introduced, it's by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Moses, Moses. <laughs> We'll change his name. By faith, these are the people that God says are commended. Now, catch this. They had faith in what they hoped for, but had not seen. New Testament believers, when Christ walked on this earth, they had a faith of what they had hoped for and what was seen. Walking among them. Messiah was here. Old Testament folks had never seen the Messiah, but yet the Bible says they are commended by their faith that a Messiah would come. Why would they be commended that a Messiah would come? Because God said they would. Because God said a Messiah is coming that way. Everybody that we will study in this great chapter of Hebrews 11, every single one of them will have successes and failures. I just talk to me a little bit in the, this morning in the room and online. How many of you have had some good successes in your life? Anybody? You just had some wins? And, and let's talk both temporal and spiritual. Have you had some wins? Let, let's go spiritual for a moment. How many of you have ever prayed for something and God answered the prayer? Isn't that just like the coolest thing in the world? And then we get all surprised. And I'm like, he listened. He did it. Why do we get so surprised? Scripture says, what good thing would the father withhold from his children? You go, well, I get surprised because sometimes I've prayed for things and he's not answered. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room been praying for something for a while? And it's t- crickets. <laughs> Nothing. And Satan reminds us, "Ah, "He must not care about you." And I'll probably get mail on this one, but I'm going to do it anyway. You're going to get some TV preacher with a bad hairpiece and a shiny suit that's going to tell you if you would just have greater faith, God would answer your prayer. Folks, that's bad theology. Can I can I say that to you this morning? That's bad theology. And if you get these guys that are going out there that you can name it and claim it, they're not going to find that in this book. That's not what this Bible teaches. I don't name and claim anything. My Father in heaven has promised and I stand in full assurance that what I don't see today will come true one day because I have faith not in what is happening to me here, but in the one who has promised my future. That changes everything. And if you start watching these guys on TV that are name it and claim it, can I just, I'm just gonna tell you, and I'd be wrong if I didn't, change the channel. Yes. Change the channel. And you go, well, how do I know? Come talk to me, I'll give you a list. I'm not afraid to name names. But all of us have had successes and failures, haven't we? All of us have had victories and days of defeat. I was thinking this morning, does anybody remember? I think it was ABC, the wide world of sports back in the day. Anybody remember that? The thrill of victory. And the agony of defeat. And I, I, I still feel bad for that guy on those skis, right? The agony of defeat. And we've all been there. But verse two, our ancestors were approved, that word approved is so important. It's not based on their successes, and it's not based upon their failures. It's based upon the completed work of Christ. It's what we call justifying faith. It's just as if we had never sinned. And are you looking to Jesus today at what He's already done and what He's already accomplished and excelling. Just exhale. Why so fearful? Why so troubled? Why so downcast? I have a glorious King who never leaves and never forsakes. Number three if you want a growing faith today, it's going to have to be grounded in the Word of God. Effective faith has the right object, authentic faith is commended, and a growing faith has a foundation in the Word of God. Now, you're talking about a verse that will stir up trouble for you. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And this verse right here winds up all kinds of our friends who are bound to a scientific method. Have you ever heard the Big Bang Theory? You know, I personally, I believe in a big bang. I believe that God is big. And he said, bang, and it happened. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Do you believe that this morning? Folks, if you don't get Genesis 1-1 right, you won't be able to anchor yourself to John three sixteen. If Genesis 1-1 is wrong, John three sixteen has no value and no truth in it. If God did not, as old B.R. Lakin used to say, speak it all into existence before breakfast one morning, then you can't trust that God has sent his only begotten son to save you and I and to provide an eternal relationship with us. You go, well, scientifically, can I just ask you to do this and go, well, biblically, am I asking you to put your brains on hold and to not think? No, I'm asking you to think but I'm asking you to think with a biblical worldview. God said, and let's trust on what God said before we trust on what anyone else said and before we trust on what man has said. I was in Ron's life group, connect group this past fall and he's teaching through the book of Romans and he started us with Romans chapter one and there's there's an interesting verse, I think it's in 17 or 18 of that chapter that says that, It should be obvious to everybody the invisible attributes of God because of this creation. It's a beautiful world, isn't it? Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but everything that you see has been created by the word of God. And he took that which is nothing and made it into something. John says, in the beginning was the word. Who's the word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And he stepped out into the span of nothing. And said, let there be light. And scripture says, and there was light. And it was good. And he separated the sun and the moon. He separated the land and the waters. He created the birds of the air and the creatures of the land and the sea. And on that sixth day, he created man in the image of God, 127 says. And he said, this is very good. Do you believe that? Folks, I'm anchored to that. If I don't have that, I don't have anything in faith. You've got to understand that if you want a growing faith, you're going to have to be anchored to this book. How are you going to get anchored to this book? You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to read it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever read this book through? A couple of you have. Well, how in the world are we ever going to know what we should do and not do and what he says and what he didn't say if we don't read it? And Scripture says, "Blessed is he that reads." What you? I read, but I don't understand. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. I've told you this before. You get to these Old Testament names. I mean, don't you just love the Book of Numbers? I can't even pronounce these dudes' names. Say them fast and say them with confidence. Nobody will ever know. All right, just keep on running. The blessed is he that reads. My encouragement today is that you would have a growing faith that's grounded in the Word of God. And here's the truth. It is going to be impossible. It is going to be impossible. I say it again. It is impossible to grow in your faith apart from reading and growing in the Word of God. You will be stagnant. You will become weak. You will become fearful. And you will become anything but faithful when you avoid a regular intake of this book. Anybody ever heard of people deconstructing their faith? This is kind of a newer term. It's been happening for years, but this idea of, and it's happening a lot in our, our younger generations, uh, not, not reserved to just them, but the idea of deconstructing faith is that they're taking the truths that they have grown up on And they are tearing those truths apart and reconstructing a new truth based upon their impressions, based upon their feelings, based upon their cultural influences and what they find more acceptable. Examples. People that grow up in church. And then they get hurt in church. Anybody ever been hurt in church? <laughs> Stick around. We're sinful people. And hurt happens, doesn't it? Always amazes me. People go, well, I got hurt in church, so I'm not going back to church anymore. How many of you have ever been hurt in your marriage relationship? You just throw in the towel all of a sudden? If that was the case, Sue had been gone a long, long time ago. She wouldn't put up with me. Deconstructing faith because you know what? Since I've been hurt in church, my opinion is if that's what people call a Christian, then I don't want to be a part of them. Therefore, I'm going to do church on my own. Do you hear me? I was in a church and people who say they're Christians hurt me. And because they're hurt me, I'm offended. And because I'm offended, I don't want to associate with anything of who they are and what they've done. Therefore, I'm not going back to church ever again. That's a deconstructing of our faith. And we're going, you know, I don't need church in order to be right with God. And yet Hebrews 10.25 says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So we've got a lot of things that we could piece together here. And I could give you multiple and multiple examples of this. But here's my question to you today. And my encouragement is don't deconstruct your faith and question everything you believe. Do you hear me? Don't deconstruct your faith and question everything you believe. Go back to the word of God and get rooted and grounded on everything he has said. Now I feel like one of those old, old preachers. I grew up with this one of the bumper sticker that says, uh, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. And again, you know what my dad would say about that? God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. That's good preaching, isn't it, John? God said it, that settles it. That settles it. So let's have a growing and an authentic and effective faith. So how are you going to do this? Quickly. If you want to practice a confident faith this morning, can I just encourage you with these three things. Trust what God has promised to you. Trust what God has promised to you. I know we're online and I know it'll be hard for some people to hear and I'll try to repeat it, but let's just have a little bit of fun here this morning. It's just us, okay? And you're snowed in anyway. What has God promised to you today? Talk to me, church. What are some things God has promised to you? Say it again, Matt. Everlasting life. Is that a good promise? Good. What else has God promised to you today? Never leave you or forsake you. Is that helpful to you today? What else? I knew the voice. I just couldn't find you, Caleb. If we ask anything in His name, according to His will. What else? What has God promised to you today? Talk to me, church. Help in times of trouble. What else? Come on. He's coming back. I'm a new creation. I love that. He's my shield. Anybody? He's my high tower. He's my shepherd who leads me and guides me. He's my rock and my strong salvation. He's my confident hope. He's my returning king. He's my Lord and Savior. He's my ever present help. He's the one that knows me and made me and shaped me in his likeness and his image. He's the one that said, I love you with an everlasting love. What has God promised you this morning? And if you're going, I'm just not sure, go to this book and take a little bit of time so that you can learn what he has said to you and then trust in it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Is that a good word today? Trust in the promises that God has given you. Number two, believe in what you have not experienced. Jesus said, my peace I will give to you. And you're going, not me. Have you walked in my shoes? I don't feel like I experienced peace. I feel like I experienced that other verse. In this life, you will have troubles and trials. That's the one I get. But why did he say you'll have troubles and trials so you'll understand what peace looks like in the midst of it? Anybody had troubles and trials in the room? Anybody. It's not in the absence of peace, it's in the presence of peace. Because I can promise you this you and I would not stand up for what, not one minute under the troubles and trials of this world without the Prince of Peace holding us with his mighty, righteous right hand. That's where we believe. Trust in his promises. Believe in what you may not have experienced. I haven't experienced heaven yet. Matter of fact, nobody here has, but I believe in it. I'm going there one day. I don't want to get on the next bus, but I'm going. I'm going. And number three, can you just rest in the one that provided it all? It doesn't get any better than that. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus said, What? I'll give you rest. Is that what he said? Do you trust him today? you have a firm foundation in what you believe that haven't experienced yet. And is your faith strong enough that you can just exhale and you can rest and you go, my God is faithful. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm as safe today as being wrapped in the center of God's hand and secured where nothing can shake me and nothing can steal me away. And my heart and my confidence is secure in the only one that matters. I pray you and I today will have a confident faith, a growing faith, authentic and effective faith. Because though he slay me, yet I live. If you're going to have a a faith like the Bible talks about, it starts with a saving faith. You'll never have a confident faith without a saving faith. And a saving faith starts in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who does for you what you and I can't do for ourselves, Who lays his righteousness upon our sinfulness and covers us so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin and our failures. He sees the covering of the blood of his only son. And in that... We have eternal life and we have hope. Do you know that this morning? Anybody in the room go, I've made that decision at some point in my life. I know today that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Anybody? Is there people in the room today that go, I've never made that decision, but I'd like to. Why don't you do it right now? Go, dear Lord, would you just save me today? On this day, of the 14th of January, would you come into my life and save me? And Jesus goes, absolutely watch this and he makes all things new i pray you know him today if you make that decision would you do me a favor when we're done here this morning would you just come find me i'll be the little bald guy up here on the front row just come find me i'm not gonna make a big deal with you but i just want to pray with you i just want you to hear you, hear you say today i accepted christ as my savior and if you're in the room and you're watching online, press forward by faith. I can't stay still any longer. I gotta go forward. That's what we're gonna be learning. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you that your word is lit- alive and active and sharper than two-edged sword, that it, it cuts into the marrow of even where we live and what we think. And it helps us to be more like you. It helps us to be transformed and changed into thinking and trusting in your promises. Thank you that what we have not yet seen is as sure as we've seen it because you are faithful and true. Father, you're an amazing God and we're humbled that we even get to call you Father today and that we have the right to worship you in any way. Receive our offering today and may it give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.